0: Thank you and enjoy today's message.
1: Hello. I hope you got the spirit of that song. It does me in when I sing it. I love the line, I see you eight billion different ways. That's the revelation that we're getting, isn't it? Because I know that's not the way I was brought up to basically see God in everything. And so tonight, uh, we're going to have a look at this, the quest for the sacred. Now, um, before I get onto that, thank you everybody who stepped up to do what you've done over the last couple of weeks. Brilliant. We've watched you from afar and uh, we're still... I'm so proud to be part of this house. We're very different, very unconventional, and I'm proud to be that. I don't want to ever just get stuck in a rut. And, you know, if this becomes a rut, we won't be stuck in this either, I promise you, because we're, we're, we're wanting to be present in the context of how we see God in this time and place, not something of a, an ancient history. Do you get me? And it's imp- so important and that's why we are who we are. So it's really glad to we're glad to be home. Um, I promise you that while we're away, we learn more about what we don't want to be, <laughs> as much as we learn what we want to be. Because I can I can gladly say I don't want to be that, you know. But it's not always clear what we want to say. I want to be this, but I know what I don't want to be, and um, that will definitely come out in uh, how we we lead this house. Uh, But then again, I just want to say leadership is not about hierarchy in the sense that we're above. We're all equal in here tonight. Leadership is just that we have been sort of given the role of of helping direct the ship. But it's not because we're superior or anything like that. It's because we just have been given that role. But we want to lead you. Um, in, in in the path that we believe we have been shown, is that okay? And it's I'm glad that you you're following. How lovely! That's great. Anyway, so the quest for the sacred. I don't know about you, but I was brought up that sacredness was one of those words that it was like the word holy, or the word sanctification. Boy, that's a an old-fashioned word. But some of you will have be aware of those words, and uh, it was. What something else was outside of me and outside this world, it was something that was out there and you had to strive to reach it. It wasn't something that was very attainable. Um, People weren't sacred. God might be sacred and angels might be sacred, but people weren't. And also the earth wasn't that sacred um, because I was taught that basically this world's going to go up in a ball of smoke at some point. It's going to all get destroyed. So don't care about it. It's all going to go up in smoke. So you had one task, and that was to sort of convert everybody to the Christian gospel. Now, that is such a narrow-minded way of thinking, and I am so grateful that, that we are being led in ways that we are seeing now beyond that uh, you know, Jesus coming soon was the mantra. If Jesus is coming soon, then don't worry about anything else. You know, basically just get on with life. But, but it said, and, and I mean, this is interesting, that when religion lost sight of the cosmos, and that more happened in the West than the East, because way back, in it was about the, the, the year 1000 or wherever, there was a separation beliefs and the west went one way, the east went another way, the west went more in the, the context of doctrine and belief and dogma and the east went more by the way of experience and that's still how it is today but I'm glad to say that there is a change when we talk about a shift there's a change and we're actually now being able to be, be, be less confined to narrow paradigms, but open to uh, see the truth of things. But it says this, that when, the re- when religion lost sight of the cosmos in the West, society became neurotic and we had to invent a psychology to deal with the ensuing neurosis. Oh, I think that's so powerful. And what did we create? Religion. Religion. And religion was there to try and fix the issue that we had become separated from the world, from people, from animals, from God. Because in in all honesty, we were all meant to always be connected in in a circle that was dependent on each other. Now, I remember my mum used to say that we can be so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. And I think that that's the truth that we can all learn tonight, that we can become so spiritually minded, looking for the next spiritual experience or the next idea, than actually being earthly good. And I want my quote religion to be of an earthly good tonight. So life is a cycle, but we've been led to believe that somehow it's hierarchical pyramid with with sacred at the top and everything down is getting more and more inferior. But actually, that's not the truth. We live in a a circle or a cycle where everything is engaged, where everything participates equally. And like in the Lion King clip that we're going to see a little later, uh, that you know the Mufasa says to his son, "Yes, we may eat the antelope today." But when we die, we will become the grass that the antelope eats tomorrow. And that's something that we've lost sight of. When you're out in the west of uh, America and you sort of connect with the indigenous people, which is a very sad story right across the board, you recognize they learned something that a lot of us have forgotten. The fact that when they killed the buffalo to eat their meal, they used everything... They ate the meat, they used the the skin for clothes, they used their bones for tool. and they thanked the universe that they had the ability to connect with this, and they knew that they weren't just going to slaughter things for the sake of it, but it was for a purpose, and it was in that circle that they understood. So it's important to understand tonight something very special, and there will be a slide of this later. I'm reminding you of it now. We will never love or save that which we do not experience as sacred. Now, the sacred isn't housed in a building or worn around your neck or something in the sky. The sacred is the here and now in which we reside, all breathing the same air, all imbibing the same water, and made of the same earth, with the same life force flowing through us. So for a long time, I was saved. I'd said a sinner's prayer. I'd sort of put things right with God, but I had no inherent worth. I still didn't feel very safe. But when I understood my worth and saw more clearly the worth of every living thing around me, it changed my life. Once I saw the sacredness in all things, the God in all things, it's even changed the way that I put on my coat. Now, you might think, what are you talking about? You're going to see another clip where that'll make sense a little bit later. Because I suddenly really realised that Christ was in everything. And then it mattered how I did everything. And that was important. That will make sense to you a little later when you see the Karate Kid clip. But this understanding causes us to live with intention and with purpose. And over the last few weeks, you've been talking about meaning. What brings meaning to life? If you see the sacredness in everything, it will change the way that you do everything. So how we treat everything around us is dependent on whether we see them, it, as precious. Because it's interesting, sacredness, if you look in the definition, it's seen as things that are set apart for God and we all sort of understand that but then in the next thing it says oh precious Pre- thank you you're so wonderful precious we put in our um, thing that we haven't shown for a while that people are precious what we are saying then people are sacred they are very special so just to finish Jesus is the light by which we can see a God-soaked earth. Everything is infused with the divine DNA. And what is more incredible, God proves he loves things by becoming them. Whatever the mess of life, God graces us by being present in all things within it all. So watch this next clip and I hope you enjoyed the journey tonight.
2: Not me, I'm not, on. I am now. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the reasons we don't say much about our trip away to, uh, particularly in Salt Lake, is because we don't want to take the time here, which is very short, uh, in what we want to convey to everybody, just to tell the stories about our journey. So if you want to know more, you're going to have to come on a Wednesday, that's, uh, that's all there is to it, or you're going to have to come and ask. Um, One of the things I will say is that uh, last weekend was amazing. We were in a church in Texas and um, I have to say one of the things about our journey which is the only thing I'll say is that the timing has been absolutely perfect, not by our design but uh, but by divine sacred involvement and last week was one of those divine times in Texas. Just the right time for the right group of people. Struggling with the right things that we can help them with in the right way because we've walked a journey. So we appreciate that, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll probably say a little more uh, as we go along. Also, I love the Richard Rohr um, and uh, Oprah interview, and some of the elements in there, if you're interested, we'll say a lot more about that on Wednesday night as we continue our conversation about going beyond Jesus. Um, the, The slide that was up. Um, just before the, um, the Lion King clip said, we will neither love or save that which we do not experience as sacred. That's quite a powerful statement. Because we consider far too few things sacred. And because of that, it gives us excuse for attitudes and behaviours and actions that are just flat not appropriate. See, whether we see the sacred in all things determines how we treat all things, and people and things, and the earth and all that lives in it. All actually hinges on this issue of whether we see the sacred in all things. And I love what Chris said at the beginning that um, I, I, I don't like in-house religious books because they only tell you what an in-house person would like you to believe about statements that are in house and sacred is one of those sacred has been hijacked by the religious community to just mean our particular kind of belief and our particular way of worship and our particular approach to God is very sacred I love what Chris said sacred you would be far better understanding sacred as precious what you do not consider precious you do not consider sacred And if we would consider everything as precious, including ourselves, then we would see the sacred. And when we see the sacred, what we love, we will save. What we experience, we will save in all of us. Now, for those of you who get a little nervous when we open up a subject like this, and I know some of you do, you know, you don't fool me. By sitting there all righteous. Because I can get concerned as well. Because I come from a generation that some of you come from. and, and, And maybe feeling like some of these things, we take them just too far. You know, beyond the safe boundaries of... Of a God persona restricted to sacredness, or oh, you know, I can't be fussing with all that stuff, God is sacred, and you know, if I lost in wonder, love and oblivion or whatever, or we sing certain songs, then that's, that's sacredness. And some of you may feel we take it a bit too far, but, but let me say this: if you believe there is one God, quoting Richard Rohr, and that God is the creator of all things, and that in him we live and move and have our being, Acts chapter 17. Then all things carry the divine DNA. Think about that. All things, all people carry the divine DNA. If they don't, they were not made by God. So you do not believe that in the beginning God created and God said, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. You don't believe that if you have ceased to believe that the sacred is in all things because the divine DNA is in all things. Anything that is a thing... Is sacred because it has the divine DNA. Even the wood that made these pews has a sacredness, not because they're in this building, but because the divine DNA was in the tree that grew so we could harvest the wood so somebody with their skills could cut down the wood and they could shape it and someone could make it and bring it in here. If you begin to see the divine in everything, then you will love and you will save All that you see the divine in. Now let me say about the circle of life. The circle of life is more than you're born, you live, you eat the small animal that's smaller than you, and we still do it as humans, we just don't do it physically, but we devour the weak... That's how the strong get strong by devouring the weak. What happens in nature still happens with humanity, but it just doesn't happen in the same way with ripping carcasses about naturally. But I'll tell you what many carcasses get ripped apart many bones get broken many people's reputation and life gets devoured by humanity in the circle of life to make the powerful more powerful so that the circle of life is more than just that that we live eat small animals we breed and we die and yet it works for all of us how many of you have ever thought my life's just going around in circles well let me tell you you're right it's true it is It's called the circle of life. However, I learned something about circles, which is this. How many of you know what a helix is? A spring is a helix. A helix is a series of concentric circles, but they go round and round, so you're either going down as you go the circle or you're coming up as you do the circle. Think of going the wrong way up a helter-skelter. You're actually going in circles but you're going up. You see, the circle of life is happening. We're all living our life in circular motions, but something has to drive us in the context of direction. I also like the illustration that you you have on your steel frame that you hopefully ride to work or wherever, or if you're Boris Johnson, well, I don't know, making lanes for it. You don't ride a circle, you ride a cycle. You ride a bicycle because it has two cycles, not two circles, and yet, what shape is a bike wheel? Then, what makes the circle a cycle? A cycle is when a circle touches down and it creates forward momentum. If the circle of your bike never touches the ground, your bike simply is a bicycle, two spinning circles, but when it touches the ground it becomes a bicycle because now there is a cycle happening to the circle, which a cycle is what dictates momentum, it dictates forward momentum. Your life, though going round in circles, can go somewhere and all this is going, somewhere and the world is going somewhere and life is going somewhere you just have to know how to connect how you connect the circle of life to the progress of life is through the sacred that's where the connection comes and I'll talk about that a little bit more in my second thing I love that line till we find our place on the path unwinding in the circle of life which moves us all. We truly find our place when we experience the sacred. Now, the point of that was that when you see everything as Kung Fu, every activity that you undertake makes you the person in life that you are wanting to be you didn't think you were being trained for and when you begin to see everything as sacred you will realize that everything in life is training you for the thing that you would hope that you would be but didn't think you were being trained for in the book of exodus in chapter 3 there is a story of the great patriarch moses and moses was the was the victim of his own behavioral circumstances and found himself as a fugitive, simply by his own choices and actions, much like most of us find that in some way we become fugitives because of the choices we made, the things we did, the things that have happened. And, of course, invariably that forces you out into the place where sometimes you do not feel that you are being resourced with what is necessary to change the story. And so we find Moses in the desert, way out on the far side of the desert, looking after sheep, which he never really wanted to do, for a father in law who he had never known, but the options were small, and so he finds himself out here and while he 's doing that, there is this amazing story of um, him seeing a bush that was on fire, but the bush wasn 't being burned up by the flames and um, and so Moses, seeing this being out there, seeing the unusual nature of this, goes over to the bush and um, and uh, it's like God the Divine speaks to him from the bush, bo- a voice speaks to him from the bush to really help him in his situation. And when he goes over, he's called by name, God says, Moses, Moses, and he says, here I am. And then, and then the words, I don't come any closer, but take the sh- off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Now, I want to just talk for just a couple of minutes about this because the bush is the thing that grabs your attention and uh, we can lose ourselves outside of the story really the bush was simply the thing that grabs our attention it was a metaphor for what grabs our attention that is unusual and if you don't go take a look or even notice you carry on walking and miss the encounter that could revolutionize your life now I would propose to you that burning bushes by our path pretty much every single day that we live But most of the time we are too consumed by what we are doing to realize that something bigger, something sacred is happening to us in the sacredness of our lives that we miss because we don't realize the sacred is all the time, in all things, with all of us. And so we miss our burning bush, which is not the same as Moses' burning bush, but it's nevertheless the same. It's the thing that grabs your attention. Now, now what follows next may have little or nothing to do with the bush, and we can get so obsessed with things that are not the point. The bush wasn't the point. That was just to grab his attention. But there's always a voice that speaks from within the bush when you'll take the time to say, this is unusual, what am I being told in the midst of this that I am seeing? So, it's one instruction among the multitude of options that actually intrigues me. One instruction... Lots of options. One instruction. Moses had to choose himself whether to turn aside to the bush. Moses had to choose whether he listened to the voice coming from the bush. They were all Moses' choices, just like we have to make choices about the sacred in our life. Am I going to take notice of this? And what is this telling me? What is the voice that's coming out? But there was one instruction among those multitude of choices that comes directly from the divine. And that instruction was this, take the shoes off your feet because the ground that you're standing on is holy ground now this was literally just in the desert it was not a special place it was not a temple a synagogue a church a mosque it was nothing it was in the middle of the desert something bigger than location was being said here take the shoes off your feet because the ground that you're standing on is holy now here's the point I want to make with you Moses shoes were the barrier between his life and the holy ground. They were the barrier between him knowing about the sacred and feeling the sacred. And if he didn't take off his shoes, he would forever be insulated from full connection with the sacredness, the divine that was breaking into his life that was going to change the whole course of his existence. Now, I appreciate there's a reason for wearing shoes. There was a reason for Moses wearing sandals. Because you can get hurt walking on your journey without the barrier of the shoes. But there comes a point that what we wore, what we put on, what we have held to create a barrier between us and pain, us and hurt... Us and wear blisters of the road at some point becomes the barrier that prevents us from experiencing the divine because now we're more busy trying to protect our journey than we are experiencing the life that will come from the divine interaction that is happening where at one time the sacred in our lives begin to become one and our lives are forever changed. Take the shoes from off your feet. Remove the barrier that you've put there because you're so afraid of the pain. You're afraid of being let down. You're afraid of being used. You're afraid of being abused. You're afraid of what this will cost, what this might hurt. You're afraid that you might be exposed. To life, but there comes a point if you are going to be one with that which is sacred, you have to take the shoes from off your feet. But you need to understand because the ground that you stand on is holy. Why was it holy? Because it was the ground that Moses was stood on. It actually wasn't holy because just God was there, it was holy when Moses was there. It wasn't because God was in a bush, it was holy when Moses said, I'm prepared to. stand in this place in life remove the barrier that separates me from it get rid of the fears and, and the anxieties and stand here and believe this is a sacred moment this is holy ground Is life changed in that moment because the ground you stand on is holy so here's my word for you tonight if you want to live in the fullness of the sacred take the shoes from off your feet because the ground that you stand on is holy and the sacred will permeate out from you into you and through all around you so that you like Moses will become the deliverer the friend the person you hope to be, and those things that were making you a fugitive that bind your life because they are temporary fixes and come because of your fears will disappear and you will go with the boldness that you were always called to have because you realise it's all Kung Fu, it's all sacred, it's all Christ, it's all in me. Tonight, take the shoes from off your feet for the ground that you stand on is holy. And you will see that the sacred in that and the sacred in you will transform your whole existence. Take the shoes from off your feet.
0: Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast.